0: Welcome to episode 214 of the JersNet podcast. I'm John McCallum. Um, this is Gersnet. Uh We're on every week, usually twice a week. Um, and uh, tonight, um, if you listen to Friday Night's show, it was coming to you live from Copenhagen. Um, tonight, it's coming to you from Scottsdale, which is very similar to Copenhagen. The beer's really expensive. There's just not as much Lego and attractive blondes around. And... Um, This is the independent podcast made by fans for fans. The content is entirely free. Uh, Jesna isn't just a podcast, there is a forum, there are articles, and social media, and there's a great history archive there as well. and if you're a regular watcher to the pod, then um, thanks for coming along. If by chance you're new to us tonight, and some of you might be, um, then we would encourage you to subscribe. Um, it's sometimes it's going to be a bit more uplifting than it might be tonight. Um, but you know, please subscribe, uh, share on social media, etc. Okay, so before we get going, I just want to... I have a quick word about the people who helped make this happen. Um, Forest Precision Engineering are very kind sponsors of the JerzNet podcast. Without their help, we couldn't do this. Um, They are a subcontract Glasgow based engineering company and have been a big commercial sponsor of Rangers for for many, many years. And we are all very delighted that they are backing the pod. Uh, you can find out more about them at www.forestprecisioneng.com. Another thing that you might be interested in about them is that they have the uh, fantastic Forest Precision Executive Lounge uh, in the stunning main stand at Ibrox. Um, You can book that, Uh, it's a unique space Um, and if you are interested in finding out a little more about it, uh, email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Okay, Um, we've got a bit to talk about tonight I think. Um, When I was asked to step in uh to do this tonight um i thought it was because colin wasn't well but actually it's because he hasn't been released on bail uh since this match this afternoon uh, the perth police are uh, maintaining a close eye on him and they've asked me to step in um i'm joined tonight by ross and by patrick caskey uh, so on a night when you know many in our support are being for blood frankie's put together possibly the, the wokest jazz net podcast ever um, so I, uh, you know, I'm half expecting you to, to kind of join us stop the oil protest halfway through this pod. Um, anyway, let's see how we got oil, we'll put away our oat milk lattes, uh, and we'll just have to see what these guys have got to say. So look, I'm just going to jump straight in, pa- uh, Patrick, cause you're a guy who likes a stat, okay. And that obviously was a hugely disappointing result today. Did we deserve to lose that match? You know, I read earlier we had 73% possession, 20 corners to their zero, 29 shots,
1: seven on target. Was that a game we deserved to lose? Uh, I certainly would say we didn't deserve to lose, but I'm not necessarily sure we deserved to win in a sense. Um, there's a great Twitter account called Sr SRFootball. Um, his allegiances lie on the other side of the city, but nonetheless, his stuff is fantastic. And he does, uh, for the past few years, he's done a running expected points league table, And on the basis of expected goals today, we should have come away on average, if you played the game 100 times with 1.73 points, whereas St. Johnson come with 0.9. So we were definitely the better team, albeit anecdotally, I don't think anyone would be pleased with what we watched just because it was a dearth of any quality. But I think this game, perhaps in a microcosm, is emblematic of our season as a whole and Ryan Kent specifically in the sense that um, earlier in the week, um, someone co-opted Optus' uh, table, which said Ryan Kent, creates the most chances in Scotland um, without any sort of qualitative lens or per 90 lens. Uh, And today we saw that we create a lot of chances, but they're not very good at all. So our sort of quantity of shots is great. It's up there. I think it actually beats Celtics, um, but our quality of shots. So if we look at XG per shot is absolutely terrible. And that's emblematic of a team who are unable to penetrate into the box, uh, revert to headers, which are just low quality chances generally and long sort of chances from outside the box luckily we got one to actually go well Tad's shot was really poorly put into that by their keeper and we sort of were on the unlucky edge of variance where they scored two absolutely beautiful goals um it was at the point where i just had to applaud and sort of laugh when nikki clark puts that in because we saw him play decent for angels at this time but nothing that sort of quality so to put it S- sort of simply, I don't think we did deserve to lose, but I don't think we can be very hard done by, it by the fact we didn't get three points today.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was being slightly facetious at the start there. It, it was, um, uh, you know, in the end, the only stat that matters, uh, as you said yourself, is the goals. Um, and for all our possession, for, for all, uh, you know, 20 scoring chances, I have to say, I, I don't remember 20 scoring chances, um, I know we hit the bar a couple of times, and um, there was a couple of other close ones, but um, I, I'm not sure quite what this class as a as a, a, a scoring chance. Um, but either way, you know, it, it was a very strange game of football. Uh, to have been as dominant as we were in the first fifteen twenty minutes, um, anybody who's watching Rangers as long as me or watching football as long as, as I have knows that um, inevitably the other team is going to get a chance. Um, I, I, and the, the, like you say, the goal they scored was the first goal they scored was just, you know, just one of these freak goals. The boy's never scored a goal before in their life, apparently. I, I, you know, and he sticks one away like that. Um, when the, when we saw the teams, um, Ross. Kolach again, preferred to Morelos, perhaps not a big change. Sands and Lundström, both holding midfielders. Tillman playing a bit further up. Um, was it the right team to start? I mean, do, you know, the thing that jumps out at me when I saw it was, you know, do we need two holding midfielders against St Johnston? Um, you know, Was that the right
2: team? No, well, I'm, I'm not sure. I agree. We, we don't need, on paper, two holding midfielders against a team like St Johnston, a team that struggle to score goals. Um, a, a team that struggled to win games quite frankly they'd not have the great start to the season um but it, it, i actually liked the team that he put out because i felt um I, I felt cholak over over morelos was the right call given everything we've seen in the league this season um i felt it was the right game for fashion sakala um who is is showing all of his drive and enthusiasm albeit lack of of final quality but i felt that this was a game that would, that would suit him um mainly because it's a slightly less cultured opposition than the likes of Liverpool or Napoli. Um, yeah, the, the central midfield question, it, it seems more out of necessity than anything else. I mean, th- this manager does not want to play Glenn Kamara. And so, given the injuries that we have at the moment, um, no Ryan Jack, no Yanis Hadji, that kind of thing, um, I, I, I didn't have any issues with his choice of, of starting eleven at all. In fact, I, one thing that really pleased me was seeing Ben Davies come back in. Um so I was I was happy with the, the starting 11. And I actually felt the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, it looked like John Lindstrom had been given free reign to be a little bit more dynamic and a bit more box-to-box. Um, and he was driving forward and, and creating chances to, to, to my eye. Um, now, that changed at some point during the match and it, everything just became dull and lifeless and uh, and, and a bit limp. Um, but I felt it was the right team. And we can talk a lot about Angel look. I say it was the right team. I don't think James Sands in an ideal world would be starting for Rangers. You know, he's, he's a squad player. Um, same with Leon King at this point in in his career, with it being very early days. Um, same with Fashas Zicala. But with where we are with with injuries uh, and, and whatnot, um, it was, we, we didn't have that many options, I suppose. We, we only had certain configurations of players that we could put out. That being said, that is no excuse for the result today. You know, the, the team that we put out was more than strong enough to, to beat St. Johnston. Um, I, I, there's not a single player from the St. Johnston starting eleven that I would have put in the Rangers eleven today. Um, and so the fact that we have injuries, the fact that we have to rotate and we're not playing our strongest team, it, it really doesn't mask the fact that we were. Uh, unacceptably
0: poor today and it's a, it's a it's a shocking result it really is it was a shocking result um, patrick you you touched upon it a minute ago there about the the two goals that st johnston scored um the first goal was as i said that boy will never score another goal like that again in his life um and uh, the second goal was it was a nice move you know a nice move good finish could we have done more? You know, Ross mentioned there. You know, in an ideal world, uh, Leon King probably wouldn't be starting for Rangers. Um, he's starting for Rangers just now. In all honesty, he's starting for Rangers just now because there isn't anyone else who can play seven and a half fit at the club. Um, you know, even Ben Davies clearly isn't fit. Um, he started today, but he, you know, he didn't finish the game. I don't believe we took him off for tactical reasons. Um, you know, so he must still not be fully match fit. Um, so King is, is starting. I've seen and read King get some um, some criticism, uh, which personally I feel is 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 unfair. Not because he's eighteen, because actually I think he's been playing quite well. He had a moment today where he slipped, um, and the boy broke. But I thought he did really well to we'll get back and, and um, you know cover and, and and break up the move. Um, Personally, think he'd been doing okay. So, looking at the two goals, you know, and not just looking at, at King, but looking at the two goals, Patrick, do you feel there was more could have be been done? Could Rangers have defended them better?
1: Well, I think if you look at the anatomy of the first goal, there's perhaps five or six players to blame, and really whoever you dis- whoever you dislike the most will probably the um, blame. I, like, I dislike
0: them all tonight. Yeah. to be fair. So, um, but you so, can
1: pick your choice of all of yeah. Tavernier, Lundstrom, King. Uh, I saw someone trying to to blame McGregor. I personally, I don't. I'm, I would rather see McLaughlin play. So I'll take any opportunity to, to uh, not speak bad on him, but point out shortcomings, even though he's a legend. But I think it's in, completely unfair to say that he could have done any better. It was on his weak side, his left side, and he, as you said earlier, uh, the boy Brown hits it fantastically. But I think the first point of call in that first goal, especially, has to be the turnover possession. Um, we're a 2-on-3, they have an overload on us, but despite this, Lundstrom wants Sakala to come short, but Sakala wants to offer the long option, uh, there's a misalignment of ideas, Lundstrom just plays it short, despite Sakala not offering, and then he just stands there, uh, I think it's in Montgomery, the, the Celtic uh, boy on Lotus Enos, and then progresses the ball, and Lundstrom just stands there for a few seconds, almost just sort of self-pitying, uh, with no sense of urgency, and there's this massive chasm in the centre of the pitch, they gain 30 yards, um, they put, put it wide, Tavenier chases it down, fine, uh, tries to boot it out, out, gets no height on it, they win the ball back. Then I think we have two or three opportunities to stick a leg in, in the box when possession back. We do, but we don't win it and consolidate it. They get the ball and then eventually, sort of out of out of luck, but we, have, we haven't we made ourselves any luck in that situation. The ball goes to their right back, who's marauding in and absolutely bangs into the top corner. So it's sort of uh, a thousand mistakes into one and it's sort of a... I guess, an example or emblematic of our team performance in general, breakdown of communication, lack of technical ability, and fundamentally, as cliche as it sounds, uh, a lack of application and and pure graft. Uh, I mean, you you described it
0: quite well. What Lundstrom, Lundstrom losing possession in their half in itself, um, you know, it, it shouldn't be, you know, we had plenty of opportunities after that to deal with that. But, but that moment where Lundström lost possession, it wasn't so much he lost possession, it was his reaction to losing possession that, that I think frustrated an awful lot of us. He, he just seemed to, you know, he seemed to take a huff. It, it was the strangest thing. Um, you know, I mean, Lundström is, is one of the senior players of the team. Um, you know, he is certainly, um, particularly when, when um, Goldson is out, you know, he is the player you're looking to alongside Tav, um, you know to lead the team and, and I felt the thing that was missing particularly from the first goal um, was leadership you know was that was that person who, who who says you know you know and just clears it Um, you know having done having done the hard stuff and winning it his clearance was horrendous uh, and like you say we had two or three other bites at the cherry and nobody just quite you know just took, took control of it and you know, for all it was a wonder strike, and you have to give the guy credit for that. You know, for the comedy of errors for the ball to actually get to the player in the first place is what has to be looked at, um, and and that's what I think is is most frustrating about that goal. The second goal, Patrick, was a different type of goal. It was a lovely finish, but again, we switched off. You know, me was just allowed. You know, I think I think they'd forgotten you can't be offside from a, a throw in. Um, because they just let him go down there. Now, nice bit of skill from him to, to get the ball across, and, and you know, bang, bang, it, and it's a, suddenly it's a goal. But again, my feeling is there's a lack of leadership. A feeling is somebody taking controls. An 18 year old centre half, you know, somebody needs to talk him through games. I, I remember um, Stuart Weir, who you know, Stuart Weir who's on the pod fairly regularly, talking, um, telling a story about meeting and speaking with Walter Smith um, after. Um, Danny Wilson had signed for Liverpool and said Liverpool are going to get a fright when they would realised David Weir's been walking them through every single match he's played. Um, and, there, you know, there was some truth in that, you know, you needed that experienced player beside him. Um, you know, I, I don't feel that Leon King has that just now. And, and I, I know I'm specifically looking at, at, at Tavernier just now as club captain and as a right back. Um, uh, and somebody that I would expect to step up and, and show some leadership in that kind of situation. You know, when I say leadership you know, sometimes you just need to shout at guys so they know what they're meant to be doing. You know, it's easy to switch off in these games and that's what we did for the second goal, and that, and that was was quite disappointing. Okay, enough about St Johnston and, and, and what they did. Ross, there's a predictability to our play just now. Um, we touched upon it before we came on the definition of madness is, is to continue doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different outcome um, we get the ball wide and we put in a cross that seems to be our tactics just now um, get the ball wide put in a cross it doesn't matter if the cross is coming from one of the fullbacks or it's coming from Sakala or it's coming from um, or it's coming from Kent that, that seems to be our, our sole tactic frankly just now and and the thing about Scottish teams is they can defend crosses, particularly the types of crosses that we are we are putting in just now. And, you that know, they are not they are not effective crosses we're putting in. And what worries me a little bit is there doesn't seem to be a plan B. Um, and you touched upon this earlier when you said we were, we were we were really good for the first half hour or so. We really looked like you know we were up for this game. Uh, I, I thought it might be a bit like the Aberdeen game last weekend. I thought like right, okay, this is this is going to be four one. and I'm going to get an easy night in the pod, um, but. You know, it became apparent after half an hour that, that we weren't, you know. Uh, uh, one of the frustrations in this was, I think, um, the guy Considine, um, Andrew Constantine, at uh, uh, the second half we made him look like Franco Barese today. You know, the guy was a an of everything and block and everything, and he's a dumpling. You know, how in the hell do we make him look that good? It's frustrating. Um, Malik Tillman could be a player. Okay, he could be a player. There's a player in there, right? Before joining the Rangers, he played four first-team matches of football. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to expect somebody with, with that much inexperience to be the creative fulcrum for, for for Rangers. Um he's not ready for it. You know, he's there, he's playing. I actually thought you know I actually thought in the last two games he was unlucky to be taken off because I thought actually he was he was he was one of the, the better players. But I don't think it's fair for him to be the, the creative fulcrum. So uh, us us not having a plan B there's predictability. Is that a consequence of losing Hadji? Of losing Lawrence and losing Roof to injury and not adequately replacing a rebo, or is this actually how how Gio wants us to play? Um, it's not total football. So, what do you think? Is this accidental? Is this deliberate?
2: If it's if it's deliberate, then that's really worrying. If this is Gio's style of play, that's a real concern. It's so far removed from the Van Bronckhorst of Arsenal and Barcelona and of of Rangers under Dick Advocat. Um, it's a million miles away. It, as you say, it's. Um Give the ball to Ryan Kent, let him do a couple of stepovers, Run into a defender, try and get the ball back. There's Borbar first time cross, and you know you mentioned it a minute ago with uh, with regards to ever defending that no one's sort of shouting my ball and just hoofing it and and, and getting through it. Andrew Constein did that today. Um, Andrew Constein didn't do that three weeks ago when Celtic got a last minute winner at St Johnston. Um, And he let a cross come in, and and, and that's that. But um, you know, when things aren't going for you, they are not going for you, and that's where Rangers are at the moment. Yeah, yeah. You said you said a moment ago you stole my line. Actually, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results.
0: Um, Excellent. I'm glad I took that from you. High point of the day for me, to have to be honest.
2: (laughs) No, fair enough. We had 20 corners today. 20. Um, I think we had 20 outswingers delivered to this uh, the penalty spot. Or there and thereabouts. We didn't have a single short corner. We didn't try anything different. We clearly haven't worked on any different set pieces. And now I get that with a, a, a big lump up top like Cholak, he's a, a tall, physically imposing guy, um, balls into the box should work.
0: But. Um, when the yes. law of averages were lost, the law of averages says you have 20, we win at least one of them. But we, yes. we should win half of them. I mean, it's crazy. And I, we, we, we didn't. You know, our. our we as just we just giving them the goal kick. We are more dangerous from their goal kicks than we are from yeah. our corners.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, you mentioned then Malik Tillman. Why is Malik Tillman asked to be the creative output? Um, yeah, yeah, I think losing. I think losing Lawrence is is probably a bigger blow than many of us realized at the time. Um, he probably didn't set the world on fire in the first few weeks of his Rangers career, but he really grew into an important role. Um, he was creative. He was he was getting goals as well. But he was um, uh, yeah. He, he 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 looked really really important to a certain style of play. Um, so losing Lawrence not good at all. Hadji's been out for I mean it must be over a year now. And I I don't know if he's expected back in. Certainly not any time before the World Cup. I understand. Um, so that's that's not good as well. But it's also the lack of quality that we're seeing from from elsewhere. I mean Ryan Kent. Today, I, I I've run out of patience with that boy. Unfortunately, um, the 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 lack of quality, the lack of output, the lack of a final ball is is unforgivable. Now, um, it's causing us real problems. I, I I also feel that we're not getting the same quality down the right flank from from James Tavernier. Again, is that because he's he's not being asked to do the same things that he might have done under Steven Gerrard? I don't know. Um, but we're not getting the same quality of ball coming in from the right from him. Fashion Sakala again does. He has a slightly different style of play, which is get the ball down and run. Um, unfortunately, he's 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 probably the best runner in the league and the worst passer in the league, in my opinion. Um, so we're just not having enough quality coming from these different areas that it, it ends up simply being give the ball to borna Barisic and see if we can get across in the box sometimes it works today andrew Considine cleared up everything that came into his box and that was that if this is the style of play so it's a long-winded answer to your question i suspect we've it's, got, it's we've be, got <laughs> i suspect the reason we're doing this is, is in large part because of injuries um but it's also due to the, the the lack of quality that we're getting from anywhere else but if this is the style of play that van Bronckhorst wants rangers to, to demonstrate and if he has no other idea no other suggestion he doesn't seem to like to uh, to, to vary I, I felt that the early weeks and months of bank bronco rangers career we spoke a lot on this podcast about how he was changing games he was dynamic as a manager he was changing structures and setups during the game i think the dortmund game in europe last year at ibrox was a really good example that they were on top in the first half we made changes at halftime um to uh to the structure more so than the personnel and it changed that game that doesn't seem to be happening anymore i don't I don't know why that is. It seems to have really shifted this season for Van Bronckhorst, um, but it worries me because it suggests he's um, it suggests kind of desperation and a lack of ideas, um, and that's that's not a good position to be in as a Rangers manager.
0: No, no, it is not. The read a book recently. A chap called Paul Ferris, not Paul Ferris, the uh, the, the Glasgow. Gangster, entirely different. Paul Ferris. Um, He Paul Ferris was the youngest ever goal scorer for Newcastle United. Uh, Not an Irish guy, Um, and he got injured, um, eighteen career-ending injury, and um, he kind of played in the. He he played at you know kind of semi-pro level, etc. But but you know from a boy for whom great things um, were, were hoped and it's, it's quite interesting we became a physiotherapist became a physiotherapist at Newcastle um, and uh, was part of he uh, worked under a few different managers there. we worked under Alan Shearer and if you recall Alan Shearer was brought in six games to go Newcastle needed whatever seven points or something to stay up Newcastle had a good team It's a very very good players and one of the players they had was Michael Owen and Newcastle's problem was they weren't scoring goals, and um, keeping Michael Owen fit was a challenge. Michael Owen had had, had a number of, of ongoing issues, and keeping Michael Owen fit was a challenge. Um, but they had two games to go, both winnable, and um, they sat down with Michael Owen. And after training, Michael Owen said, uh, "I can feel something in my—I can't if it was hamstring, for example. I can feel something in my hamstring. Like, well, what is it? Have you got? You know." Has it gone? Is that he you says know, I can't really can't really describe it, so I think it might go. He said, Well, with two games to go, it's stay up. He sat down and he said, Well, the thing is, I don't have a contract. My contract's up at the end of the season. I don't have another contract after this. So if I play and my hamstring goes, I won't get another contract. So I just I'm not gonna play. So Michael Owen refused to play the last two games of that season, Newcastle got relegated. I was lost his job. As did this guy Paul Ferris, um, and and you can't just blame Michael alone for that. But the point I'm making is we have a couple of players, Ryan Kent being one of them, who are at contract contract um, end of the season. Is that is that? Do you think that's what's at the, the root of what's wrong with Kent? I know I'm going a wee bit off off the agenda here, Ross, but do you think that's what's at the root of 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 Kent? Because the, the, the you know Kent has gone from being one of the most exciting players in the Scottish League. Yeah. to a guy who you almost groan when you see his name in the team sheet now because you think, you know, this is going to be brutal to watch because you know what he's going to do.
2: Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And, and you know, living down here in in London, Ryan Kent three years ago was one of the names that people that I would work with would would know. They'd know Ryan Kent. He he's the creative guy. He's the assist guy. Um, oh, I got him from Liverpool, and and he'll be back in the Premier League before long. And Ryan Kent's chance of a, a big money move is, is long gone now. Um. Do I think that he's just sort of running down his contract? I actually don't believe it's that. I believe he's um, he's a confidence player, and I believe his confidence has has gone. I have no I have no basis upon which to to um, to make that assumption, but that's just how it feels to me. Um, it just it feels like he's he's run out of confidence. He's got no momentum. Football's I, I think football's a a game of momentum and, and when you're winning and when things are going right then things are going really right and we saw that with the fifty five season, everything just went right and we had good momentum and we had confidence. Um and so I I think that's what it is. He's he's struggling for uh, for goals. When did he when did he last score a goal? Um He
0: scored not that long ago, but it was his first goal in a long time.
2: He right. Maybe so like two
0: or three games ago. I, I can't remember who it was against.
2: But he's not scoring consistently. Um, I, I don't think his assist numbers, are, I don't know, maybe you can correct me on this if i wrong, but I doubt they are anywhere near where they were two or three years ago when he first came in. Um, I, and I, I do just think that that's confidence. I don't think necessarily, I saw someone today saying that defenders have worked out how to play Ryan Kent. Um, well, you probably don't need to be that clever to work out what Ryan Kent's going to do. You know, he's going to run a bit and then he's going to cut inside and then he's going to try and take you on. And if that fails, he's going to pass to the overlapping cool bag. Um, I just think he's he's run out of belief. Uh, I I wouldn't want to go so far as to say he's run out of hunger or desire, but maybe that's the next step. Um, Unfortunately, if you are a scout now of a, a Premier League club and you see a performance like that, that does not, if, if he has in his, in his mind, he said, I'm not signing a new deal at Rangers and I'm away at the summer uh, or I'm even away at Christmas in January. Um, if someone comes in for me, if I'm a scout at a Premier League club, I'm going nowhere near him based on what I've seen this season. Yeah. Um, so his best hope is getting a move to the English Championship. And uh, that's a real waste. So maybe, maybe he's got that in the back of his mind as well. Maybe that's affecting him and that's affecting his performances. Um, I think I've seen the, the pundits on Rangers TV over the past couple of weeks suggesting he's trying too hard. Maybe that has something to do with it. But uh, I just think the boys absolutely run out of belief, run out of confidence. Um, we have no momentum. Things aren't going right for us. And um, for a, a winger, I think that that particularly is, is really important.
0: Yeah, interesting. I mean, he's not hiding, to be fair to him. He's not hiding. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just not happening just now for him. Patrick, despite losing two goals today and three on Wednesday, um, having four defenders out injured um, and Davies, as we said, you know, miss Wednesday, come off against Aberdeen, miss Wednesday, played today, come off again, um, clearly not fit. Um, I-, I can't help but feel that defending isn't actually isn't our issue just now. Our, our issues are further... Up the field, um, we're simply not scoring enough goals, and, and we're, we're not actually creating enough clear-cut chances. I have seen Rangers lose games to teams like St Johnston before. We all have, and it's often been in games where we've you know we've hit the bar, the keepers had an amazing game, you know we've done everything but score, and you know then that well that's just one of these games you get in football. I didn't feel that today. You know, the biggest surprise for me today was when Tav scored because I just didn't, I couldn't see who we were going to get a goal from. Why is that? You know, why are we not creating chances just now? What's wrong with the, the midfield and attack?
1: Well I think fundamentally it's a, it's a personnel issue that goes beyond the structure. We just don't have an, uh, enough players on the pitch who are capable of scoring. I think there was a plethora of times today when we were hitting the byline and it was Cholak by himself in the box and you would hope that we'd have the, the opposite winger, two of our midfield and, and uh, it's, it's typical of Tavernier early in his career, early in his range career, him in the box as well. and We'd be overloading it with options where that'd be to get the first contact or the second or it in. But there were times where there's just no one in there. And if you're asking Cholak to sort of fight off five large centre backs and and full backs from St. Johnson, he's, he's never going to be able to do that. Um, he's fairly capable in the air when he's sort of unmarked. He's good at putting headers into the corners, but he's not. I'm going in the air when I'm unmarked. Yeah, exactly. You know? So he's 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 very effective at sort of diverting the headers into the goals, but he's not going to beat a man per se like Morelos or sort of go in the back leg and sort of take him on. But he is a good target if you sort of place it perfectly on him. But I think also uh, another place to look at is the lack of verticality in our play. A lot of our plays is just horizontal. A lot of people like to use the the sort of trademark the idea of the horseshoe. Um, to sort of address your earlier question, that's not the intent of the play, but that's just symptomatic of a side who can't penetrate um, at all and make it to the box. So we need to play around them. And eventually that will end up with us putting a cross in. So it's this lack of penetration and that comes off the basis of both past choices, uh, our, our attacking movements and to an extent our, our personnel and the structure that is who's sort of asked to play on the pitch um I think there's sort of a limited sort of flack that can be given towards our strikers because they are just not being given the greatest service Trolak's outperforming his xg by I think almost magnitudes of two so there's no complaints of his inability to finish it's more so our ability to provide for him I think once we get all our personnel back hopefully that should be post World Cup we'll see some natural increase just because we'll have players who are we're more willing to take it on, uh, play vertically, try a pass, but I don't think that fixes the, the problem per se. Um, I also think it allows us to have some rotation with Tillman, because I think at this point we're asking too much of him. He's on loan and he's getting played to play for Rangers, so he should be putting in his all, but he also is he's younger than me um, and we're asking him to do everything. So I think he is a uh, sort of testament to the demands and his inability to provide that. It's a bit frustrating, but we have to consider sort of perspective and perspicacity um, that we might be asking too much of some players, but then others we're asking not that much of and they're just really not providing. uh Paris is such a good example, all we're asking to do is put, put a ball in the box and he's putting it 10 yards past and stuff like that. So I do think injuries do have a large uh, sort of effect on our inability to score, but I think there are some structural problems both to do with the coach and how he sets the team up and who's on the pitch and who we actually just have in the club uh, and the misalignment between what we want to achieve as fans and what we want to watch and the inability for us to recruit um, to do so. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I thought that was Colette's
0: poorest game for Rangers today. Um, but like you say, I don't think he particularly got the service. There was a couple of times the ball got played through to him and he just, I don't know if it came on his wrong foot or he just wanted to take a touch. but. Um, he just wasn't able to get the the, the shot away and I, I thought it was actually his poor game for Rangers today and like everybody else I've been enormously impressed by him since he came to the club, he's probably the one success story this season um, certainly so far um, but but I thought today we, he, he, you know, like a few of them, you know, he had a poor poor game. Um, Ross let me take you down memory lane um, 22nd of October 1983 Okay, Rangers lost 2-1 at home to uh, Motherwell um, in front of a crowd of, 50, of around fifteen thousand okay um, after the match, a fairly large crowd gathered outside Edmiston drive um, and um, voiced their um, disgruntlement, shall we say um quite forcefully um, to the players, the manager, and the board uh, later that week, John Gregg resigned. And John Gregg had an awful lot more in the bank with the range of support than our current manager does. Um, inevitably, Giovanni van Bronckhorst is is coming under criticism and coming under pressure. Um, you know, we've two games to play until the the World Cup break. Then another four games before the January window opens. Okay, um, so. Put, put bluntly, you know, do we stick with Geo? Do we hope that we can get through these two games and the World Cup break allows us to bring back the creative players that we are clearly missing? Um, I personally think guys like um, Tav, um, possibly Lundstrom and possibly Kent um, are still fatigued from last season. I don't know if they're maybe carrying knocks, they do not look the same players that, that they were last season. Um, you know, or perhaps a, a few weeks off might be exactly what they need. Um, so do we do that or do we twist? Is now the time to, um, to make the decision that, that you know it's not working, um, let Geo go, um, find his successor quite quickly and then give his successor the World Cup break to, to work with the players. Um, get to know them um, so that when we come back in December. You know he's had a chance he's had a chance to at least learn who the players are get into their heads try and bring back a bit of confidence look at old games figure out what we're doing wrong um if it was you what would you do
2: if it was me i'm i'm firmly in camp twist um i do not see the where the improvement is going to come from under van bronckhorst i do not see any I don't know, ethos to his style of play. I don't understand what he's trying to achieve. But I certainly don't trust him with, with another transfer window. And I know that it's in, in the modern world, it's not the manager dictating who gets signed and going out and negotiating and, and, and buying the player. Um, but the manager has a in, a, in a structure like ours, a model like ours with a strong director of football role, The manager has a very, very important part to play in that. And I feel that recruitment has been so bad over the last couple of windows um, that I do not have faith in the manager to um, uh, adequately identify our weaknesses and, you know, I guess, give a a list of requirements to the director of football and and the scouting team. I don't see what is to be gained from giving him another two games. You know, if we give him another two games and he picks up six points from six, do we forgive and forget? Absolutely not. Six points from six is the the expectation for this side, for for this club. Um, I believe he's lost the vast majority of supporters now. I I, I don't believe that. I mean, from from everyone that I've spoken to today, I've had one or two people who think, you know, we'll give him give him until the World Cup. But that seems to be more out of convenience than anything else it's just a nice neatly packaged break time that we can do something i i if it's just for convenience i would i i don't see what we stand to gain by giving him another two games get someone else in as as quickly as possible give them as much time as possible to to work with these players understand what the what he needs to do and i think we are um long overdue a root and branch rebuild of this squad. We still, by and large, have the same squad that won us fifty-five, um, and that is that is a real problem. The um, I think the hallmark of this Rangers club of the last eighteen months has been, for me, stagnation—not really improving in any area at all, um, as far as I can see. Um,
0: now I think we're a weaker we're a weaker squad than we were twelve months ago. I, I don't think there's any. Debate on that. I think the sales of Patterson, Arebo, um, and Bassey, uh, we haven't replaced any of those players
2: like for like. Well, you could, I think you could make an argument. Again, okay, let's play devil's advocate and say Patterson and Arebo were never meant to, I'm sorry, Patterson and, and, and Bassey weren't first choice players. Uh, Bassey kind of became first choice, I suppose. They did. Um, yeah. But they, yes, the, their departures weakened the squad. Um, we brought in obviously Ridvan Yilmaz, who we haven't seen enough of, and it's a, um, a shame and a curious question mark as to why we've not seen enough of Ridvan Yilmaz. Um, we we also brought in am uh, I right in saying Mateusz sikowski as as right back cover? Uh, I mean, where the hell's he gone? Um, well, he's
0: in Poland on loan, I think, isn't he? he? I, I hear different things. I hear, right. He's he's, um, he's he, he didn't settle, but he, you know, he didn't okay. settle in Glasgow and, and things. Um, I hear that, you know, when they saw him play, they didn't think he was any better than um, Adam Devine. And so right. they thought, right, move him out and, and move Devine up.
2: Um, I, saw, but I, take, I take the point, the squad is weaker. Um, you, you could try and make an argument that, that Lawrence was brought in to replace Joe Aribo. They're, they're not really the same type of player, but you can't yeah. I, I, I don't
0: think that's unfair. And I think um, you're right, earlier when you said that Lawrence is a bigger miss, perhaps, than we realise. Yeah.
2: But I, I, think, I think you're right. The squad is weaker, not just because of those departures, but it's because everyone who stayed is another year, another 18 months older. Um, and, and when I say that, I mean the likes of Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis, Scott Arfield. Um, we're still relying on these guys far, far, far too heavily. And I, I made the point last time I was on, um, players like Scott Arfield, we're seeing him a hell of a lot for a boy who was only signed on for another year because he was such a good presence in the changing room. That's what they said. Um, that was kind of the the leaked message via you know, fan media and, and 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 whatnot when he signed on for another year. Okay, he's not really up to the standard that we need going forward, but he's a great character to have and he picks the boys up. And that's why we're... I mean, if that's what he was signed on for, we're seeing him far, far, far too much. So the squad itself is weaker because of those who were who left and went sufficiently, sufficiently replaced, but also for those who stayed and haven't, uh, I guess have degenerated as footballers due to their um, their age. Uh, I, I suppose that that paints a real picture of stagnation of a club that's not moving forward, and a club that won fifty five and then stood still, whilst Celtic actively went and did quite a dramatic and drastic rebuild. Um, they were forced into that because the manager that they actually wanted turned them down, and then they you know sort of panicked and. And brought someone in quickly it has worked out well for them you know, we, we, we can't argue with that but it just further highlights the stagnation and the lack of progression at rangers now if that for a fan like me that's the overriding impression i have of the club at the moment i would urge the board not to stand still at this moment do something proactive take a decisive action and make a change I believe that the issues at the club at the moment go beyond the manager we i'm sure we, we might come on to talk about the director of football about other problems at the club but the manager is the public face of the sporting side of the the business i suppose and the sporting side of the business is the the fundamental problem at the moment it's the public side of the business um and it's the side that is most visibly going wrong seven points behind at this time of the season is unacceptable um, regardless of injury, I said it earlier today. There is no, no way that we should be dropping points in a fixture like today's. And I, I mean no disrespect to, to to any other team in this league, but when you look at salaries and you look at player experience and the the quality that we have available to us, um, it's it's unacceptable. Particularly when you know you're already four points behind. When you know Celtic came back and got two late goals yesterday to to keep the gap as it was at four points. Um, if the it, I think the point I'm trying to make is it looks to me that these players have actually stopped playing for this manager. And again, I have, I don't have any basis upon which to to make that assumption, but that's how it feels to me as a fan is that the manager is not winning over these players. You saw it with John Lindstrom kind of threw a strop when he gave the ball away. He even made comments last week after the Aberdeen game that um, maybe we've let this manager down and, and we haven't kind of given him as much as we, as much as we could have done. Um, I, I suspect that's a contributory factor to Ryan Kent's malaise at the moment. It just feels like these players aren't playing for this manager and if that's the case he, he has to go for me. Um, I, I simply don't see any way back and if we are just waiting for the World Cup because it's nice and it's neat and it's convenient, that's, that's two weeks wasted in my mind.
0: I've, a, I've a entirely entirely unprovable theory on managers. And I think particularly in, in clubs like Rangers, um Graham Murray was um you know he came across quite a pleasant guy. Okay. But I think that one of the things that Gerard brought was this passion. Gerard wore his his heart on the sleeve. Um and I think the Rangers support reacted to that. I think the Rangers support liked that in the manager. They want a manager who's combative they want a manager who, who they think is you know if it's not going as it should be at half time someone's up against someone's being held by the throat up against a, a, a wall whether that's good management or not i think that's what the support look for in a manager they look for a guy who who is who is passionate who is emotional um who and, and who expresses that and i think that's possibly something i, I, I don't know if that's universal to all football but I think you see that in, in, in British football. I think that's why guys like Klopp is so is so popular, even Guardiola is so popular because they are emotional people. You see that emotion it comes out of them. You know, Alex Ferguson was another. And I think that's one of the things that's going against Don Broncos just now is that he is calm. You know, he is a calm individual. Um, you know, he is. You rarely see him ruffled. You rarely see him angry. Uh, and I think that the, the support actually struggle to relate to him. A little bit because of that you know because of that you, you, you knew when Walter Smith was angry you know you knew that you, you could see it you could see it in the interview you could hear it in his voice you could hear it in the questions that the question that, that the interviewer was asking him was choosing their words very carefully because they didn't want to set off the volcanic temperament and I actually think that, that that's one of the things that's going against Van Bronkos just now is that we're not seeing that he doesn't seem to be as angry at things as we are um, and I think that's going against them. Anyway, Patrick, um, Ross kind of set me up there. Um, you know, the board and Ross Wilson in particular um, have also been getting some criticism from supporters. Um, as we said earlier, you know, Ron Brockers can only pick the players he's got. You he can't pick players that aren't fit. He can't pick players we've never signed. Um, is it fair to aim? Criticism at them, um, or should you know Van Bronckhorst be getting more out of the squad? You know the, the ones that are fit, as, as Ross said, there that team he went out today on paper was good enough to beat St Johnston. Um, you know, is, does the buck stop with Van Bronckhorst, or do you think there are people, um, other people at the club who are are equally, if not more, culpable?
1: There's there's plenty of blame to go around, and I think if you look at Twitter's the sort of ecosystem of fans, you've seen that it's been disseminated far and wide. So I think every, almost every stakeholder involved in the club, and I think rightfully so. Um, I think if you look uh, sort of response to the question, I think there's a few examples of Van Bronckhorst not utilizing the squad properly. Obviously, this is. Uh, sort of my opinion and you can sort of take offence of that. But I'm I only looking you for your
0: opinion, you, you fire away with your opinion Pat. I think, believe the, me, in the comments there's loads of
1: other people's opinions <laughs> and so you go for yours. I think the inability to bet in Yilmaz quick enough was, was a poor decision. I think he came in and uh, the entire time in Esiktar's spell, he was impressive, he was progressive, I understand the concerns about someone young moving abroad, I've done it a few times in my life, but uh, this is a footballer um, and he sh- showed uh, in the spells, or at least in the first two months, he, when he was playing, that he was capable. And and Barisic was was, a, was fine, but I think that was one big, uh, obviously, because Yilmaz sort of fits the profile of what you wanted in a fullback for Van Braille courses as well. So it was almost this perhaps paradoxical element where he was playing someone or pigeonholing someone who would fit who doesn't really fit a system for someone who doesn't. Then they're lying on the bench, and that was a considerable amount of outlay that came into acquiring the asset upwards of 5 million if all the conditions are met uh playing Tillman on the left just doesn't work off or left of a, of a midfield three because he's right-footed he has much better interplay with Tavernier and, and whoever is on the right wing and I think one that's perhaps devises support but I would have just played Sakala a lot earlier I think he he's a numbers man he guesses what we need uh, we've talked about inability to create chances and score he remedies that to an extent um I also think perhaps the Treatment of Morelos, especially last season, and running him to the ground to a certain extent, and then the inability to sort of use him now per se, uh, especially when Chola, this game, and Livingston hasn't been hasn't been great. That's not been perhaps optimal management, but of course, um, it's it's not just him. I think emblematic of that is if we were to get our number one manager target, I don't think we'd expect him to go in and win the win the league or, or win out the rest of the season because there are fundamental shortcomings in this squad. It's by far and away the second best squad in Scotland, Um, so I don't think you you can expect a manager to come in and, and win the league or, or do much more. Obviously, progression is, a, is an expectation and we'll need to benchmark uh, on the basis of when we get a new manager. If we do, you'd expect that to be soon. Some would have expected it as being before this podcast is on maybe in, on an interim basis, but yeah, I, I don't think the recruitment has been great. I don't sort of stand with the orthodoxy that the recruitment in the summer was poor. I think Yilmaz was a good bit of business. I think Ben Davies was quite good. Um, Tom Lawrence as well, be injured. Um, I would have also signed Suter uh, on, a, on, a, on a Bosman. We haven't seen him much, but I, I think that made sense. I think the, the majority of the blame or perhaps the confusion lies in the contract extensions and perhaps most criminally, the inability to sell assets at peak value. I understand it's quite difficult in hindsight 2020 to say we should have ripped the squad up after 55. I wouldn't go to that extent, but I think the inability to sort of refresh uh, and sell our heroes when their values are highest has sort of come to bite us. Um, and I think I, I wrote in February 2021 um, that our inability to move on players might put us in, a, in a, a sort of period of stagnation and here it lies in that we're in that period. You touched upon something there, Patrick, which I've been to ask you. Is there any
0: league in Europe? I, I you know, by all means say I've no idea, John. I don't know why you're asking me. Um, but is there any league in Europe where the team that has the biggest budget doesn't win the league?
1: Well, I mean, we've seen in Norway the last two years, Bodo Glimt won, uh, whereas Molde have twice the budget, albeit this year Moulder winning the league. So that's a good example. Um, I'm going to try and think off the top of my head. We're going to have to obviously look outside of the sort of traditional powerhouses because emblematic of football in the modern day, the top five leagues are all dominated by the biggest spenders. Uh, Poland, uh, Rakow, Czesław, are going to win the league this year. They're quite clear. Uh, they were a second division team just three years ago. Their manager has uh, won the Polish Cup. They're going to win the league and they have a budget around half of Legia Warsaw's and half of, half of Lech Poznan's. And finally, we saw Dinamo, Tbilisi in Georgia, they're going to win the league, despite Dinamo between we have Chinese backers and fairly substantial transfer outlay. So those are three examples. Um They also are leagues in which don't have the sort of duopoly we have, whereas we know regardless of what we do, there will always be a good side on the other, good team on the other side of the city um, and generally a great side. If you look at the last 10 years, at least relative to what we are. Um, so. Um It's perhaps not a burgeoning trend, but there are certain outliers in and around Europe across the continent in which we see a leaky which A team with a material disadvantage is able to usurp that through tactics, player development, and whatnot. And I think that's probably one of the ways uh, we can filter down managerial targets is by looking at those teams who have managed to do so.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Ross, if
0: you can keep your head while all around you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Football is an emotional game. We've spoken about that. Um, that's what makes it what it is. That's why we're here. That's why we can give up our Sunday nights to do this. Um, you know, we overreact to victories and to defeats. That's 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 part of the fun of it. Um, but how easy is it for the players, for the managers, for the directors to ignore this growing unrest? Um, you know, and particularly the online stuff, which is which tends to be nastier and, and, and more instant. Um, how easy is it for them to ignore that and, and focus on the next match?
2: Um, I it can't be easy at all to ignore that. Um, but also, nor, nor should they. You know, so, social media and, and I, I guess, the digital landscape in which we operate today is, is so different and far removed from 30 years ago, say, where it was really a case of get the paper on a Sunday morning and see what a journalist thinks about it. Um, Now, everyone um, has their platform and everyone can scream their thoughts into the void. Not just as the void, if if, if the person you want to scream at is on Twitter, you can scream at them on Twitter. Um, So it's a really different landscape today, which makes it very, very, very difficult to ignore. Um, But what that also means is that the club has the best barometer in the world because they have direct feedback at all times and that is of course intermingled with utter lunacy um both from our side and from all other sides of the footballing sphere uh, that, that, that want to get involved but um it, it means that uh, whether that's through the, the supporters liaison officer or through the social media guys that run the rangers club channel um they can directly feed back the temperature of the support the temperature of the support at this point is very very high and the club needs to uh, take note of that now what, what i guess the the next question what, what's the right thing for the players to do should the players take note of that will that affect their performance should they try and drown it all out and focus on the next game um i, I suppose so the players need to be the, the players are paid a huge amount of money by us ultimately putting money into season tickets and merchandise and whatnot that goes to pay their salaries um they i believe owe us um they have an obligation to us to work hard in, in training in the gym and on match days uh so i i wouldn't want them to ignore the uh, the opinions of of, of supports because uh, we we will be here long after this it's, it's such a cliche and i apologize for using it but we as supporters will be we've been here long before these players these directors these managers and we will be here long after um so the, the, it, it can't be easy on a personal level the amount of abuse that they will take the, the things that they will read um it must be very very difficult for for those individuals for their families um and we all have a responsibility to to utilise our own personal platforms in a responsible way. Um, But I go back to the point I made earlier, the the club have never had it so easy to take the temperature of the room. Um, And I I really sincerely hope that they do that and and take the right action. Uh,
0: Taking the temperature of the room, Patrick, um, another poor result. On Wednesday would be a serious, serious problem for the club. I think they would be, you know, I think so far the support at Ibrox, um has been largely supportive. Um, there's been some boos at halftime. There's been some boos um, when things haven't been going well. But frankly, that goes that the best Rangers sides have had that. Um, we've not had October 1983. You know, we haven't had that yet, but. I have a feeling if um if things don't go well against hearts, we might have. Um you know, I think there is a growing frustration in the support that, that Ross articulated there. Um that said, are hearts exactly the right type of club for us to be playing on Wednesday? Hearts tend to to not be quite as defensive as Motherwall and and um, and St Johnston and, and teams like that, they, you know, they tend to, to come and, and, and try and win the match. Uh, they tend to be a little more progressive in their play. Um, they're also um, having another one of these kind of funny seasons. They won today with 10 men. Um, from what I gather, right, most of the match, they still managed to win the game. Um, they lost to Aberdeen the week before. Um, they've been hammered in Europe. Uh, you know, they're having a funny season. They're, you know, they, they kind of win one, draw one, lose one. It's that kind of season. Um, so, you know, is this exactly the kind of game that Rangers need? Is hearts on, on Wednesday night at home. You know, could we have picked a better team? Um, we beat them 4-0 not that long ago um, when we played them at Tyne Castle. Um, this strikes me as being a, a, an awfully good opportunity for, for the players and for the manager to, um, you know, try and put a line in the sand on this. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I certainly think it is a good canvas for us to bounce back um but i think it's an interesting one i think uh you can hear the discord from the hearts fans that they are in sort of a similar position to us in which they're hamstrung by a series of injuries to keep personnel. now craig halkis stephen kingsley kyle rowitz their top three center backs all have been injured for a good chunk of the season um but they are sort of grinding out results not performances i think their position in the table is, is a false position and we'll see them sort of perhaps drop down a bit albeit they do not have europe anymore so that first side who have a small squad will be a massive difference but uh, if you look at the game against motherwell today and, and ross county last week they were the worst team out of the two um, both anecdotally from the heart sporting friends i have and if you look at the the stats the xg shots shorts on target possession field till all sort of portrayed a picture in which hearts were lucky to come away with three points maybe even one point in situations um, my brother does some net rating stuff every week on the SPL and um, it shows the Hearts are the second worst defence in the league, albeit the fourth best offence. So I think this is a good opportunity for us in which that uh, they're going to likely come out to attack um, in the sense that that's how they play. Um, they might not do so to the same extent that we saw at home just because they are wary that um, a draw is a fantastic result for Hearts going to Rangers. We saw that last year with the last minute winner they got, Craig Halkett scored after McGregor. Sort of fumbled it uh, but i think they'll see probably take on a more pragmatic approach play more defensive try and play for the draw and ultimately they might see the fact that playing rangers at this point and at this juncture in the season is, is the perfect time to play us i think we might see three gentlemen on a hearts podcast asking the same question is this the best time to play rangers on the basis that hearts have been sort of outperforming their their means they'll be getting good results on the basis of poor performances and perhaps they'll expect themselves to revert put in a good performance and win and this ranger side does not look good we, we we struggled against st johnson we struggled against livingston uh we've been pegged out of europe much like hearts have so i think the question is obviously i think hearts are a good team to play at this point because they are quite leaky at the back uh sort of hyperbolized by injuries so we should score and that's been our big problem we've been a good defense um if not perhaps Up there with Celtic, neck and neck is the best defense i know if you look at just pure goal difference they beat us but expected goal difference were quite better than them especially in these last few weeks and they've been hemorrhaging goals to an extent albeit most of them have been on the basis of the penalty spot which is an interesting anecdote to take after var's been implemented but i do think this should be obviously we need to win every game at home but i don't understand what the or if we we lose or or draw against hearts uh if the managers sort of not resigned or left after the 19 minutes what would be the proverbial straw to bring the camels back and i think even if we do put in a good performance on hearts against hearts i think we've mentioned earlier it's perhaps just delaying the inevitable i think there's sort of season-long and year-long trends which have suggested that this isn't going to work um so perhaps putting in a good performance against hearts will be a false flag and i don't want to suggest that or talk bad about the the, the box support people will want to see us lose on the basis of geo going out. But I do think that some, if they leave upon the 90th minute, maybe me as well, that the sort of ends justify the means. And if we lose in order to get Geo out, to bring someone more productive in and progressive, that that might be worth it in the short and the long term. Interesting.
0: Um, yeah, it's a difficult one, that, isn't it? Um, you never want to see Rangers lose. And, and at this stage of the season, you know, it, it's still all to play for. And, and I've seen seasons twist and turn. Um I have seen has been further behind um in the league than we are just now. Um so there and there will be more twists and turns um this season. Um, I was going to take us on to another topic, but I think we're we're gonna be out of time. So just very quickly, guys, um next Sunday night, how many points have Rangers gained in the two final games before the World Cup? And is Van still in charge? What do you think, Ross?
2: Um, I think we'll have gained six points I think we'll, he will still be in charge and I think most of us will still have the same frustrations that we do this evening
1: Patrick? yeah, I am um, in complete agreement with everything Ross said I don't think the leader will be pushed I think regardless of performances we'll probably see six points but no one will be overjoyed it will be delaying the inevitable um, and I hope knock on wood that we will take the time and the contingencies over the World Cup break to perhaps poach someone, but that's best laid plans, and I'm not exactly sure if I expect that.
0: I mean, I think part I think part of the issue is that there isn't an obvious person in the wings. There's not a, an ex club legend who's doing very well at another club just now who could be coming. You know, there's not an obvious person. There's not a, another Scottish manager just now who's who's doing you know a great job at you know, at another club where you could you know realistically look and say, you know what, that guy's doing really well, he would do well to come in here. There isn't an obvious candidate. And that you know, and I, I really don't want to, to sit here and say, you know, um uh, I, I say anything negative about Van progress because he certainly his team last season gave me some of the most enjoyable evenings of, of my ranger supporting life. Um but you know it would be would be ridiculous of us not to speculate um on, on who is a likely appointment because that's me i'm scratching my head i just don't know who um you know I, 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 for me there isn't an obvious one it's unlikely to be somebody from his back room i, I, I don't think that's going to happen um i can't see gerard coming back you know he's he, again he's he's obviously out of work just now but i can't see him coming back i think that i think that has um i think that's been done um people have said what about michael Beale, michael Beale just turned out turned around, turned down i don't know how many millions of pounds to go to the english premier league i can't see what's changed in the 12 months since he left that would entice him back yeah he's doing okay at qpr he's a chance to break them up um, so i can 't see that happening so I, I just don't see who the obvious replacement is um and I guess that must be a factor in all this there is no point in replacing them um there's no point what i don't what I think would be a mistake is if we found ourselves going through a, a prolonged period without a manager um if you cast your mind back a couple of seasons three seasons or four seasons ago then when um before Gerard came in and we were we were you know uh, these closing doors moments where sliding doors moments where we were in pursuit of Derek McInnes. And you do look back and you think, well, I wonder what would have happened if we'd got him. Um, I wonder how, how these podcasts would have gone over the last years. I don't think we'd have made any European finals. Um, that's for certain. But but you know, anyway, none of us will know. Um, but I don't think that's in anybody's interests to have a, a prolonged period without the manager. Um, and again, that might be something that, that, that goes in the Broncos favour. Is there anyone jumping out at you, Patrick, anyone jumping out at you, Ross, that you think that's the that's the guy I should, we should be going for? Now he's the obvious candidate? Because I, I don't have an obvious candidate. I can't see who the, the most likely candidate would be.
1: No, I, I definitely think there's no perfect candidate on the basis that there's no one that sort of provides a harmony for the 10 camps that we see sort of fundamentally splitting who we want for the ex-manager. There'll be some requirements that just clash ideologically with different sort of parts of the sports group. Someone a Scottish manager, someone a British manager, someone turn their heads to managers who don't understand the sort of dynamics, both cultural, social, or economically, of the old firm. I naturally will take some a bit of a left field approach. Uh, there's a few play- coaches I like, but again, all of them involve risk. But you're going to have to leverage risk somewhere because just on the basis of where we are as a club compared to 20 years ago and on the basis that if we try to get someone mid-season um, a lot of managers rightfully so will sort of look at the contract they have and be like oh, I want to see it out maybe perhaps end the season uh, Michael Beale's a perfect example he both turned down Wolves and then did this really nice video 15 minutes addressing the QPR sport about how he was there committed to his players his fans and his staff and you're not going to expect him to then do that video and then turn around and leave in two weeks time. And I think- Oh Patrick, Patrick.
0: I, I've lost track of them. the number of times I've heard managers say, no, I couldn't leave this, couldn't leave this club. <laughs> and then, you know, six months uh, later, he's either been fired by that club or he has got, He's joined their biggest rivals as manager. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, think thinking often, to maybe, maybe I'm
1: thinking uh, with pure morals, but I I, I don't see-, yeah, see the listen, don't worry about that. Yeah. yeah,
0: I don't think they exist in football to be quite frank.
1: Fair, I'm. A, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's any sort of mutualistic candidate which unites everyone. Um, and I do think that will perhaps delay our entrance to the market, just because. Uh, I think there was broad support for Van Bronkhorst last year from the fans, but I do think we were rushed into it on the basis of a sort of pragmatic approach. Just get someone because our hand was pushed. We didn't let go of Jarrod. He, he was taken from us per se, and um, that yeah. doesn't suggest I'd want him back in in any sort of capacity. But I think we need to, to an extent. Take our time, obviously, and, and get the uh, candidate as close as as close to the perfect candidate as there is. Even though it is a bit of a, of a myth. Uh, even at the best of times, there is no perfect candidate. Uh, I think it's completely sort of dependent on what, how you see the season going out. I'm sort of at the point where I don't think we'll win the the league. So my ability to sort of delay the decision is fine. I don't think if we bring someone in tomorrow, that's going to change our chances of winning the league much. I don't think it moves the needle. I think Celtic win the league probably 80 out of 100 times, so I'm fine with delaying it, sort of taking the season as one that will knock it out on history books for us in order to get the right person to set us up for a progressive, sustainable three or four years.
0: Ross, that all sounds uh, very sensible, but come on
2: um i'm more emotional you can't be having um, an ending on that Don't. no but i'm also i'm really anxious and nervous to, to even suggest the name because patrick will have some kind of statistical database as to why that person would be completely <laughs> incompatible um but what i can do is i can look at some of the names of their, and i'm sorry i know we're running over a bit so i will be very very brief some of the names that have been mentioned sean dyche not for me um oh, I, oh, I can't yeah. think of anyone more categorically. Um, diametrically opposed to the style of, of football that we should be playing. Um, so, n- no, thank you. Um, I'll butcher the pronunciation, but Pietro Knutsen over at Bodo Glimps, I guess the success that he's had there is always going to attract. Um, and I wonder if you can maybe draw parallels with the, the journey that Graham Potter went on. Um, so, My, my yes. worry is Ronnie dial
0: yeah whatever yes. the hell you say his name you sure. know, he was a similar, he seemed to have a similar profile when he went to Celtic
2: Yes, I, I, I take that point as well it's it's possibly one that not many of us know enough about but yeah, if I either don't. fall into two camps of going, well he's won the league with uh, a, a restricted budget and a kind of nobody yeah. team um, so that sounds great compared to uh, Scandinavian football and I don't really know anything about him so no thank you um, he's one of these guys that Maybe he would be a, a good fit for us, but there is uh, there is risk in that appointment. I've seen the Maccabi Haifa manager being linked in the last couple of days in the press, particularly coming from uh, the Israeli press. Probably the the Kieto Knutzen, um scenario, but kind of on speed. Like again, could be great, but very very high risk. Um, I don't think any of us know much about him other than that he's won a couple of leagues out in in Israel. Um, uh, I, I'm going to be such a our school about this but the one that does interest me is what's happened in Southampton this afternoon that their manager allegedly is, is getting the sack over either you know this weekend or um or in the, in the lead up to the world cup I, I'm a fan of his um I, I feel like he's he's done well who is um, it Ralph Hasenhutl oh um, right so right, was right. you know was was out in, in uh in Germany and yeah it did well Uh, at Southampton, albeit with some absolutely monumental scuddings over the past few years, a couple of 9-0s. But I think there's a a lot going on in the background at Southampton that makes them a a bit of a difficult place at the moment. So uh, what I do think is that given if we were to make a managerial change, we will surely be paying some kind of compensation or payoff to to Gio and his backroom team. Therefore, I believe it would be very unlikely that we would get a manager who's currently contracted to another club. I think that we are looking at the out-of-work managers um and that that limits the pool. So yeah. um look but that being said, I, I I suspect we would be surprised, pleasantly surprised, at the number and variety of CVs that made their way to, to IBROX where the, the vacancy to be announced. So um just because we can't sit here and the three of us come up with a name that we would all universally agree on, I don't think that means we shouldn't be pulling the trigger, personally.
0: Sounds like David Martindale is in the frame to me there, um, Ross, that sounds like the... I would love that. I would
2: absolutely there. love it.
0: <laughs> Look, um, thanks for your time tonight, guys. Appreciate you, you giving up your Sunday evening. Appreciate you managing to form coherent sentences um, underneath the seethe that I think we're probably all feeling after uh, this morning's disappointment, or this afternoon's disappointment. Um just to remind everybody um, that uh, the podcast is available on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Castbox Stitcher and Spotify. Um, so um, you can listen to it um, on a variety of different platforms. Um, David, uh, David Fraser and Scott have got a preview show during the week, which I thought was on Friday the 11th but might actually be on Tuesday before the hearts game. So I do apologize. I am not a real presenter. I am a stand-in presenter. Um, So uh, all of the mistakes you've heard tonight, including this one um, are fully on me. Um, Anyway, um, they're either going to preview the hearts game or they're gonna look back in the hearts game, one of the two, Um, but no doubt there'll be other things to speak about this week. So um, please find out when they're on, follow Frankie on social media, he'll let you know. and lastly, um, you know, do do come on to JR's net, you know, go on to the forum um, and, uh, you know, read through the History Archive uh, and everything else about it. Um, thanks for listening tonight or on, on catch up. I hope you found it of, of some cathartic value, if nothing else. Um, Patrick, Ross, thanks for giving up your time again. Thanks for your, your, your thoughts. Uh, appreciate you giving to us. Um, and I'll say good night to everyone. Thanks.